wait, does this mean you want many old ladies to walk by our house in springtime? I want to be... Will they walk onto our property? I want to be recognized for my gardening abilities. I don't want people on my lawn. Well, tough shit. There's going to be sacrifices that are going to be made. This is Our Daily Red, a podcast during which we drink a bottle of red wine. Normally. We talk about something we've read today. Have we read anything today? And we try to have a provocative conversation without blowing up our marriage. (sighs) We can only hope. That didn't sound very enthusiastic. I'm not in an enthusiastic mood tonight. How could you not be enthusiastic with this, the glow of our Tannenbaum uh, staring at us from the, the picture window? I think all my Christmas cheer went like I put it all in on Sunday when I decorated the tree. And then 24 hours later, I'm like feeling the adrenaline low, maybe. Well, I think it's it's a pretty tree. It smells great. It's a very pretty tree. And we... And we spent a lot of time going out to the the U-Cut farm. Oh, my gosh. And chopping it. This is the first year that we haven't been able to do our tradition of actually going and cutting down our own tree. Well, we didn't do it last year. Well, that's true. We didn't do it last year in Germany. But no. here, where we normally live, this is the first year we haven't been able to do that because all of the U-Cut tree lots were or lots or farms. Were farms. Farms. They were already shut down right after Thanksgiving. They were already out of decent trees. That's really sad. There's something going on that they didn't. Yeah, get it's called enough- climate change. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about it. There's this thing that's happening. Nobody told me it would affect Christmas. Yes, less less rainfall during the summer. It's a thing. Well, none of these tree farms, and we're talking about the Pacific Northwest here, so we're I not know. talking about California. We're talking about the evergreen state. Uh, and none of these tree farms had decent trees. They all, they were they were either open by appointment only, or most of them were already closed for the season. Uh, by the time we were the first of December, when we were looking to go get a tree, that's really really sad. Uh, it is sad, but we did get a, a decent tree. Um, Very pretty. Actually, it's a great tree. It just was probably four times as much money as we normally spend on a tree. Yep. And nobody had to watch me like doubled over with a hacksaw, like sweating and grunting Covered for half an hour. Sap. I mean, that is pretty, that is normally pretty entertaining. I do enjoy it. Um, okay, so we are changing up the format a little bit tonight. Well, I wouldn't say the format. Well, I not would, the format. But here's the deal. So many people do what is called a dry January. Uh, start the new year off without without alcohol. Yep. Um, I decided to preview that for everybody to get a little head start, <laughs> to do little tips. And so I am pouring for myself a non-alcoholic red wine tonight. And this is from Australia, believe it or not, a company called New Blood. Well, the label is called New Blood. I think the company is called something else entirely. But uh, non-alcoholic red blend wine. I don't know how they do that. They, They somehow take the alcohol out of already vinted wine. I have no information for you there, but I'm going to try it. On the show. Oh, it sounded right. weird coming out of the bottle. It's very um, wine-like. It, it looks like wine. It totally looks like wine. So I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't have high hopes, and I'm not even going to compare it to wine. I'm going to compare it just to something delicious to drink. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to give it a go. You talk amongst yourselves yeah, while I try. So I'm not drinking wine right now. Um Oh, he's making a scowly face. It's like Oof. the bitter beer face commercials from the 90s is the face you just made. Ah, uh, bitter would be good. This is like... Uh, is it, it kind of like... <laughs> you made my tongue do a weird thing. This is kind of like if you watered down some cranberry juice and then maybe dragged a tea bag through it for a couple of seconds... And then there's like a maybe a like a little Werther's candy after. Oh, that's kind of nice. I do love a Werther's. Oh man. Uh maybe it's kind of reminiscent of like like a fruity tea, maybe like a fruit tea. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of tea, I'm having my, what I call my sore throat cocktail. Uh, and it's actually, it's pretty good. Uh, but it is chamomile tea with some good old rye whiskey thrown in, uh, some local honey and a squeeze of lemon juice because this is the stuff that feels really good on a sore throat and it helps fight off the cold. On more than half of the podcasts we've recorded so far, you either have been hacking or coughing or stuffy nosed yeah. or... This is for the fucking birds. So my theory has always been that you get sick from your kids five times from the start of the school year. And my feeling at this point is I'm just going to be sick for five months in a row. Is that how this goes? Because I'm now going on month. Where do you get this theory that you're sick five times? Very loose theory. I've heard this from teachers and other parents. That you what? You get sick five times at the at the beginning of the school year. Well, from the start of the school year, so basically it gets you from like September through the end of December. You've got like, and then once January hits, the immune system is ready to go. It sounds like a pretty weak immune system if you're getting sick five times in the span of three months. Hey man, I've been sick for like. What, four months now? Yeah, I'm saying that sounds like a pretty weak immune system. Maybe don't maybe don't put the rye in your tea. Maybe have a, a glass of orange juice or something. I had that. I'm drinking it. I'm doing the steps. <laughs> Do you know you don't know the movie reference? Uh I, I it's vaguely familiar, but it's the steps you're not doing. Baby the steps. steps. Gotta do the baby steps. Another ref- cultural reference from a movie that you uh, don't know like I do. God, it's such a good movie with I Bill know, Murray. But like, but, like, but like talking in movie snippets is so boring. Not to me. I enjoy it. I could uh, yeah, do a most whole people do. podcast. Anyways. Most people like movie references, but it just seems like it seems cheap. All right. Well, <laughs> let's let's have that provocative conversation now that you've insulted me. Let's jump right into it. Feels so good. No, I want to talk about this. This this what is this, uh, uh, this what's the one I'm looking for? Abomination? No. What the this this thing I'm drinking. Oh, you want to go back to your wine? So yeah. this, so I, I I learned when looking up for a non-alcoholic wine that there are two types. There's one that is purpose built, for lack of a better term, where it's meant to be zero proof, non-alcoholic. It's just a beverage that is kind of replicating wine. I assume it's some sort of beverage that they add flavors into. But then there is the alcohol-free wine, which is wine that the alcohol has somehow been taken out of. And that's what I'm drinking here. And whatever that process is, I don't know what that process is, but whatever it is, it makes things taste weird. This doesn't taste like a normal beverage. It like tastes like, like I don't know, halfway between a, a medicine and a tea. Like maybe they should have just started purpose built. Maybe they shouldn't have tried to take a wine, take the alcohol out, and add more stuff back so that it's palatable. Maybe just start with something else. Or drink a really yeah. good grape juice. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like how I always <laughs> would tell people like. Hey, if you want to be vegetarian, don't eat a fake hot dog or a fake burger. No, you're vegetarian. Eat vegetables. Yeah. Don't try to replicate a hamburger. It's not going to work. Do not try to replicate bacon. It's not going to work. If you want bacon, then you're not a vegetarian. Well, you're a vegetarian who is craving bacon because you haven't had it. I can imagine... I wouldn't drink this for enjoyment. I would drink this if I were at a party and I wanted to kind of fit in, but I wasn't drinking. I'm like, oh, I can yeah. have a glass of wine in my hand, but but I but I couldn't. But I couldn't get away with it because every time I would take a sip, I would make an awful face and wag my tongue, and people would say, <laughs> "What's going on over there with that guy? He's really had too much." Because <laughs> I can't. I, I so far, I've, I think I'm four sips in here, four or five sips in. I can't have a sip without making a funny face, and I wonder how long that'll take to wear off. I mean, speaking as a woman who has been pregnant twice in her life and had to fake it for several weeks at social functions, I think there is something to that. We're just holding the glass, even if it's half full, half empty, 
does kind of fill a little bit of the social drinking box. Yeah. Because it is. It, it's part of, it's like a prop that you use at a social setting where you've got your, I mean, I'm like doing the curve right now with my hand. Like you're holding it. It's part of your hand gestures. It's part of the thing. You take small sips as a spacer in between uh, statements from other people. Drinking, drinking wine is very social. But I think I would prefer just a nice classy grape juice. Well, I'm sorry that you are going through that. As a reminder, though, when I was, again, pregnant with my two children, I didn't do the non-alcoholic wines because I was like, this shit is bananas. Well, yeah, but that's been many years now. And there's currently a like a non-alcoholic revolution. There's so many yeah. people who aren't drinking. but So there's non-alcoholic beverages all over the place different um yeah you would think it was better cocktails things that come in a can like that people are, are drinking and so there's a lot more non-alcoholic wines coming out um i just don't think this is very delicious yeah i'm sorry so if you sense perhaps that this podcast is a little more low energy than normal <laughs> it's because uh i'm stone cold sober I am not enthused about what is in my glass, and Ashley is ill. But I'm sitting over here drinking what is essentially a rye whiskey cocktail. Hot toddy. It's a hot toddy, yeah. Yeah, it's a hot toddy. I know, like I like like he used to say, it's my special cold remedy. Let me tell you the ingredients. It's a hot toddy. It's a hot. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's unique. I think everybody's got a, ver- a version of this. I just happen to like it with the chamomile and rye and good. The other thing about dry December versus dry January, dry December sounds like the title of a Counting Crow song. Dry December, there. reason to believe. There you go. That's the one. This will be better than... What is the name of that song, I think, though? I think he says Long December. Oh, is it Long December? But I don't know the name of the song. It's probably called like Mr. Jones and Me or something. Oh, yeah. That's the other song. Mr. Jones. Oh. Why do I know somebody <laughs> counting? I went and saw them in concert because they did they did like a tour with John Mayer one time in my Oof. life. I've seen John Mayer three times in what? concert. Yeah. That's almost all the concerts you've ever seen. No, that's not true. But it's disproportionately more than I would have liked to have seen in concert, especially since I don't think his concerts are that great because he does that weird face thing when he does his like guitar solos, which are so fucking boring for most people. <laughs> I think the first time I went to one, I was like, OK, cool. Box check. Don't need to do this and again. And you went two more times. Yeah, but it was with other people. It's kind of like when we were living in New York and I went on the Sex in the City bus tour three times. I didn't love Sex in the City that much. I just happened to have friends who always wanted to go when they came to visit us. <laughs> By the third tour, I like knew all of the lines. I could have auditioned to be a tour guide on that freaking bus tour. Or you could have just bought them a single ticket, put them on the bus and say, I'll pick you up where it drops off. I know, but part of the... <laughs> I know. I didn't. I didn't. You don't. You definitely don't need the Magnolia cupcakes and then the, what is it? The Cosmo from quote unquote Scout after a bus tour. I have never been more sick in my life <laughs> on a bus tour. It was disgusting. Anyways. I don't want to talk about this quote wine unquote anymore. Okay. Let's so let's talk it. about something you've read today. Do we really want to get into it? I don't know. What did you what did you what did you read today? The Satanic Verses? No, but uh, I do have versions of that here. Are you reading your local city ordinances about tree um topping or what what what? No. I started Iron Flame. Oh. The second book of the Empyrean series. The first book being The Fourth Wing. So so when our friend suggested that you should read The Fourth Wing, and that was right as the sequel. What's it called again? The Iron something? The Iron Flame. The Iron Flame. She said, just go ahead and buy book two right now. You're going to want it. Yeah. But we did not do that. I didn't because you, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then when you got to that end of that first book, 
you were like an addict and you knew I you were going to start jonesing for more. So I you had to get that second book. I like immediately went downstairs. I grabbed the car keys and I said, I'm going to the bookstore. See ya in like 10 minutes. But our local bookstore, as awesome as it is. It's so great. Was sold out. Sold out. Of the iron what? The iron flame. Iron flame. And they said, we'll get a new shipment in 10 days. And so you did whatever, whatever every like sane person would do. You ordered it off Amazon. Well, I still could, I still bought a book while I was there. Of course, you, I didn't want to be get, a jerk. You can't walk out of that bookstore without buying a book. No, I have to buy something. But you wanted this book quicker than ten days from now. You went to Amazon, and they still had a couple day lag on it because it's so popular. Yeah. And the box from the Amazon comes in the mail. You rip it open excitedly, and I had ordered the first book. I had ordered the wrong book. I had I open it up and I see the cover and it says fourth wing and I'm like, no. I mean, really, you should pull the like webcam footage of it because you would see me by the dining room table going, no, no, no. I mean, I just like crumpled to the ground. It was so sad. I'm glad I had that moment in privacy because it was not my best look over a book. On a positive note, somebody in our circle of friends is going to get the fourth wing for a Christmas gift. Someone. <laughs> someone's going to get it. So anyway, so I immediately righted the wrong and I ordered Iron Flame. It arrived this morning. I've started to read it. And it's sad because the book that I got at the bookstore when I went after I finished Fourth Wing is a book called Indigenous Continent. And the author's name, I can't even say. It's a, it's a, he's from Finland. I can't pronounce it. Pekka something. And it's actually really good. It's like a really, really good historical nonfiction book that reverses the way we think about indigenous peoples on the North American continent as not seen through the eyes of western european conquerors it's really you learn about cahokia which was the mound civilization and what we know of today in like this you know, st louis area um about how the native americans just like <laughs> i love it they like totally fucked with the spanish conquistadors because the spanish would come up and they're like we're looking for gold and the native americans would be like oh, yeah, we know of a city just north of here. They've got all the gold. And so then the Spanish would march up with their, you know, their guns and their horses and their germs. And the next village would be like, oh, no, no, no. You have to keep going north. There was no fucking gold. (laughs) It was a lie. But they just wanted these assholes out of their village. And so it's like I'm reading this book and I – and. You, it really puts the Native Americans way it, uh, in this really intriguing position of power and intelligence and diplomacy and nuance. I'm like, you just, and you hear about, they actually had these highly constructed uh, structures within their communities and they had like public health hygiene and, you know, these guys actually had a, figure it out and then these dirty europeans come over and they're raping and pillaging and coughing all over everybody and getting them sick and they smelled bad and they didn't know what the hell they were doing and you read it and you're like oh my god i mean it just makes you it it like twists the view of native of of the native american narrative so it's really great unfortunately how does it it twist the view like i've i've never thought that Native uh, Native Americans weren't intelligent, and I don't think it, it, it's not necessarily. It's always been from the perspective that they were victims, that they were. Well, they were. Yeah, but more they as they agency, but they were still victims. That they didn't have agency. Yeah, that's a little bit more of it. That they were kind of these like naive dum-dums is you know is essentially it and these uh europeans came over and they tried to you know conquer them and set up civilizations they had civilizations they were doing fine and the europeans just they couldn't understand 
But unfortunately, I'm going to have to put that on pause. I was going to say, you didn't finish it. Because Iron Flame. You're going to drop these, um, poor these intelligent Native- and yeah. strong and you know clever Native Americans who are noble and worth studying to read about dragons. Yep. It's, it's, it's like dragon and sexy time oh there's sexy time in it oh there's a lot of sexy time in these books this falls into the genre that some people call there's not fairies in this book but there's a genre called fairy porn and it's very it's it's escapism and for a lot of women this was these were genres that they fell into during covid because they didn't want to read any more books about you know, here's this single woman moving to Paris and meeting the love of her life in a workplace. That shit was not happening for a lot of people. And all it was doing was making them feel bad. And even for me, I'm not interested in moving to Paris and meeting somebody. But like even some of the, um, what was it? Demon. Uh, Copperhead. Copperhead. I started to read that. And it's about a kid getting shuffled around in the foster care system and eventually becoming a drug addict. Nope. Too heavy. Can't do it. Didn't win the Pulitzer Prize? Yeah, it did. Yeah. I'm sure it's a... I read half of it, and then I, I I was like, nope, this is this is giving me too much anxiety. So you know what I'm reading now? I'm reading drags and sexy time books. Dragons, <laughs> not drags. Dragons. Did you mean to say drags? No, I meant to they say dragons. They don't dragon. call them drags in the book? It's not some slang? No, you would never disrespect the dragons in these books you just went for drags the dragons is that a freudian slip of i think it may be are there cross-dressing dragons no there's not anyways great books i feel bad because indigenous continent is a wonderful piece of historical nonfiction, but i dropped it for like dragon porn basically (laughs) oops 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 I don't feel that at all bad no, about it. No, you don't. No. <laughs> what did you read, babe? The New York Times did this really long story this past weekend uh, going through Sunday Night Football, which I think right now it's NBC has the franchise and NBC Sports has it, which is basically the biggest thing on TV. It is. It, yeah. In, in hist- American football historically has been like every top show ever with the largest audiences. It's like one, two, three. They're all football games whether it's super bowl or something else and sunday night football is the biggest thing on tv right now and they had this really long article talking about everything that goes into it all the the detail and the immense amount of production um and that was interesting but what it got me thinking about is how there are still events where live is a premium right like nobody nobody really cared that much honestly when the uh, writers and the actors were out on strike because there's so much tv to watch i mean people were going back and saying hey i've never watched the wire i'm just going to watch that you know people don't watch saturday night live anymore on saturday night they watch it the next day with little yeah. clips and all across all the social media channels there's not a lot that we watch anymore when it's live but these big nighttime event american football games we do and in fact, and people don't go back and watch them. Nobody's DVRing no. uh, the the game anymore no. and saying, shh, 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 don't tell me what happened and trying to like lock themselves in don't a room. Don't spoiler alert. Exactly. That that used to happen <laughs> in my lifetime. People would like put in the VHS, hit record with the game. Oh, I have to go to work, but I'm going to record this or whatever. I have to work in the yard. I'm going to come and relax later tonight and I'm going to watch this game. Don't tell me what happened. That that happened in my lifetime. That's it's very strange. We've swung That's all weird. I don't remember that life. Didn't your mom like go and like record Days of Our Lives or something? She did. Well, that's well. First of all, she watched all my children. Okay. But you're talking about sporting events. Well, just any event, any TV. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking, I was trying to think of like my dad whether he would ever tape a Giants game, and no. But it, but it's not so much about like re- recording. It's the idea that. People still want to watch some things live, and there's a premium put on that. Yeah. You know, another example of that is like the the Taylor Swift Eras Tour, right? Mm-hmm. People wanted to go and be a part of that. Um, I mean, she did then show it in, in theaters, and people still want to see that. 
I imagine those are people who who couldn't get tickets. But to your point, though, the people who went and saw that in the theaters, they were getting up and dancing, and they were treating it like an event. Yeah, Yeah. and they were still wearing the outfits and the bracelets and the whole bit. I, I just think that there's there's so many entertainment choices, but I think. Live authentic events are gonna are gonna continue to rise and to be a premium. You know, like the whole, mm-hmm. you know, I've never done it, but I understand that sitting courtside in an NBA game is like a rush. It's like a huge deal. Um, I think, and there's a finite number of seats to a finite number of games that you can yeah. do. That. So I think that's gonna become a premium, and costs on that are gonna continue to to go up. You know, I think certain. Restaurant treating certain restaurants like an event that you can't miss, like doing like a like a like a pop up thing or like a visiting ship. I don't. I'm just trying to think about like what are the things that are going to be in in the future um, more valuable because we are so detached. You know, you think about like AI. You know, everybody's going to have like an AI boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is, right? But the person who has a, a real life, well, let's say let's say boyfriend or girlfriend. Let's say everybody's going to have like an AI assistant. Yeah, you know, like hey, Scarlett Johansson. Hey, you know, AI, you know, buy my plane tickets, book me a hotel, whatever it is. You mm-hmm. know my preferences, do all that stuff. But then you're going to meet somebody, like an ultra elite person who has a real life assistant. And that's going to be like like crazy. That's going to be like, wow, <sighs> what a show dream. of wealth. Um, you know, uh, it, it even makes me think of I'm jumping a lot of leaps and bounds now from NBC Sports and Sunday Night Football to what I was thinking about when reading this article. But it even makes me think of the movie Blade Runner when the the guy in the movie has a pet owl. And the question is, is that a real owl or is that like a, a animatronic owl? You know, because, gosh, nobody's ever nobody in this world has seen a real owl in a zoo or whatever it is for hundred, hundreds of years. Because oh, is that? Gosh, I don't know if I've ever actually seen that movie then. Blade Runner? With Harrison Ford, right? Yeah, yeah. He's basically, he's, his job is to hunt down artificial life. So he's talking to these people and interviewing them and trying to catch them up and trying to get them the glitch to prove you're not a real person. You're, oh. You're artificial. And in oh, this, I didn't realize that. And in this future world, like, there are no, because it's been, like, fucked up because of pollution and whatnot, there are no pets. Nobody has pets. Nobody has animal in that world nobody has uh, an animal nobody has seen even um i i think the line is like there aren't even any zoos anymore so this this wealthy guy in his penthouse whatever it is has an owl and and that's a a moment of interest and curiosity well okay wait so what was the premise of the article then it was just talking about all of the production the immense amount of production that goes into the, the broadcast of sunday night football and the perfection of it. Uh, I mean, my, my takeaway was just that they put a ton, a ton of, of money and time and people behind it to do everything just right. You know, making sure they cut a millisecond here, making sure they have enough time for that replay there, making sure that the sound matches up with the mood of the game so that it matches. Like They, they really put a lot of production value into it to make it a spectacle that people are going to tune into. Which they already do, so I don't know. Oh, that the way that you were talking about that reminded me a little bit of during the, what was it the the when they talked about the January sixth committee, and basically the committee hearings were being managed by TV show producers. Yeah, they brought in some news producers or some TV show producers to counsel them, like. How should you roll this out? How what what's the timing? What's the yeah? They kind of thought that? through it as a as like a TV program. No, and that's not meant to undermine the quality of their investigation and the hearings, but they they had to make it entertaining, right? Like they had to attract viewers, and they had to be really thoughtful about to your point the tenor, how what what was like the trickle effect of material, and, and actually remember it became kind of an event to watch that those committee hearings because you're like, ooh, what's gonna happen today? I mean, who can forget when they showed that video of Josh Holling, uh, Holly running through the hallways and everybody laughing in the hearing room? Like, yeah, I, I think it's a different world though. They, they were trying to take something that could have been boring and or clown show, which a lot of those legislative hearings are. And trying to make it a little bit more of a storytelling. Well, vehicle. and I think that's the case with football is that I think that, and I don't think it's because people necessarily find it boring, but 
some, as you and I know, some of those games can just be slogs and you can lose interest even by halftime if the score is so lopsided and you're just like, this, I mean, the worst is a Super Bowl, right? Where one team just blows the other, other out of the water. And you're like, well, this is stupid. Why are we even paying attention? So then it's really up to those producers to think very thoughtfully about how do we continue to build tension? How are we keeping people still with the TV on for all of those advertisers? I, I agree with you on the live, on the live events. Uh, I've noticed there's a trend this year. I've noticed um, a lot more holiday-themed pop-up bars. Uh, when I was down in Sacramento, I was at a happy hour with someone where they were doing the publicity for, and I, I didn't get a sense if he was working for like, you know, an alcohol distributor, uh, you know, whatever it was, but I've noticed that he was working on that. And then also here in Edmonds, there's a couple of bars that also are doing holiday themed pop-up things where they'll do events they've got the decorations they've got specialty menus and I think it is intent it's a it's obviously a marketing tactic but it's also to your like to create these kind of special real moments that you can't have in your house you can't have on social media you can't have on a zoom call you know what I've always wanted to do? Because I don't. I think a promotion of like, hey, we're going to decorate or we're going to have a special drink tonight or a special menu. Okay, fine. If, if I go to that place and maybe I frequent there, but maybe I don't, I'm bored. Okay, spice it up a little bit. Maybe I'll come down tonight. I, I wasn't going to, but I'll come down because they're doing something different. Uh, that's that's interesting. That's a little marketing thing. But, but what people really don't do is like, like surprise and delight, can't miss. What are you gonna see tonight? Mm-hmm. Get, exactly, get out of your house. Yeah, go do something live. Spend money. And you're gonna have an experience. I've always fantasized about like the old school. I don't know what you call it, a cabaret or or you know you go to a club and you're gonna have drinks. Maybe you're gonna have dinner. There's gonna be a show, and you know what the show is. But you show up. Maybe there's a juggler. Maybe there's a comedian. Maybe then well, there's a burlesque show. Well, you're thinking of like vaudeville, but 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 more classy than that. Like, you know, you're you're gonna well, show cabaret up. is also not classy. I, I don't think cabaret is the right word. I'm not, I don't know what I, I don't know the era I'm thinking about, but I have in my my imagination of history dinner theater. Yeah, like a dinner theater thing. Yeah. and you would go and it'd be like a variety a variety show. Yeah, a variety show, and it's not like oh, this band's in town. I really love this band. I'm gonna go buy tickets. Eight months ahead. By the way, I hate how when bands come to town, I have to buy tickets like eight months ahead of time. Yeah. I don't plan my life that way. And I think that's it just, you get this excitement. It's kind of like when they start advertising a new movie that's coming out like next summer. Like I can't I get amped up. Tell me like two weeks out and I'll get amped up. But, but so it's not like go and see this particular comedian or go and see this particular band you like. It's just go to see a show. Yeah. And you show up and you have a meal and you know what? What's coming next? Oh, a comedian opens up the set. Oh, and now there's going to be someone who's, uh, I don't know, riding a unicycle and juggling. Or yeah, a, a nice... But then you're also yeah. sitting at your table and eating your food and drinking wine. And you don't feel... Because that's the problem, as you and I have talked about. When you go to a theater, you're kind of... Be, you become this prisoner in your chair, Right. You're, you're sitting in your seat. You have to stare at the stage. You have to be engaged at all times. And sometimes that's good because that's what the medium of the entertainment calls for. Like if you're going to watch a super dramatic play, yes, that's what you should be doing. But yes, like I would love to see, you know, a dance thing and then a comedian and well, then be and also like, have just like the freedom to kind of walk around and... A good example is we have a great center for the arts here in town and they will advertise things and I will look at what's coming up on their calendar and I will not be excited to go buy tickets for that ukulele guy or those those Irish sisters who sing traditional dirges or whatever it is. I I just won't get worked up. Is that that the wrong word? (laughs) But is a dirge like a pirate song or something? No, that's the 
that's a shanty, but a dirge is like what you would sing at a funeral. Oh. What do you call like traditional Irish songs? Well, like folk songs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I might be interested in seeing some Irish dirges or hearing the Irish dirge performance. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go buy tickets and schedule my day and then go sit in a theater. Like you said, rigid in your chair, staring at stage to go watch some ukulele music. But if I was at dinner and there was a little stage and they said, hey, next up, we got this guy straight from Hawaii, the ukulele guy, whatever it is. I'd be like, that's cool. I'll listen to that. Yeah. I know. I'm with you. The world is not set up for that. What is that? I have to, I have to investigate this. What is this, this this dinner theater world? I feel like it's like a well, like a '50s thing. Well, it had its roots in vaudeville, as I was saying, which would have been like 19th century is when it started, and then it went up through the 40s and 50s. But vaudeville wasn't a classy thing. Uh, it had a range. Bearded lady. Well, that would have been vaudeville. Yeah, that's not classic. That that's also like... would have been like freak show. That would have been like P.T. Barnum. Yeah, I'm saying that wasn't classy. That was like low. Yeah, but Fanny Bryce was vaudeville. Some of the early actors, I mean, like uh, Simon and or Garfunkel. No, Simon and Garfunkel. Not from Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> Laurel and Hardy. They came from vaudeville. Lucille Ball. She started in vaudeville. Judy Garland started in vaudeville. A lot of actors and actresses came from that space. I don't. Th- I think it was less classy to be part of the industry, but I think if you went and you saw a production, it, I don't think it was like as much of a social taint. Well, I don't want vaudeville. I want dinner theater. I know you want you want like a classy thing. You want like a like dress up. White tablecloth. Well, no, that, I think that would be one version of what I have in mind. Yeah, one version would be the classy one, but then there'll also be like the casual one. Like, just hey, just just go down to this this dinner club, whatever night of the week, and you're gonna you're gonna be surprised and delighted. You're gonna see something cool. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'll go. Okay, let's set it up. Okay. How many ukulele players do you know? <laughs> I don't want to see ukulele. I do want to see the Goder daughters. Gotard. Is that who I'm talking about? Yeah, totally. <laughs> we were listening to them earlier. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Well, that's that was something. Um. Okay. So, babe, what are you looking forward to? Well, honestly, I guess I'm looking forward to January, so I don't have to drink any more of this swill. <laughs> this is awful. If anybody has recipes for like non-alcoholic mocktails, um, we have that Monday gin. It's just gin, though. I know, and I'll tell you, it doesn't. If you don't have a bunch of ingredients in it, it really doesn't taste like much. But going back to our conversation, I don't really want the fake gin to make a fake gin and tonic. What I would like is start from scratch. How would you make a fun beverage that's interesting? Not, you know, it's well, complex. That's, that's that other. So there's the uh, what is the other seed seed seeds? That's the other non-alcoholic botanical cocktail kind of like monday but it's their competitor. yeah but they're still trying to make no, no they're not doing equivalent gin for gin tequila for tequila they are essentially creating their own recipe of like a non-alcoholic liquor you can mix with things like tonic water bitters etc so when you order when you have a seed cocktail you can't just say oh it's like a gin and tonic because they've created a totally different type of non-alcoholic spirit i want like a like a old remedy like not like remedy but it's like an old world recipe like you know three bags of barley tea and drag it through the mud and i don't know <laughs> crumble some Bay leaves over it. Well, I can make you a chamomile tea if you'd like. I know you don't like hot beverages. Though. I don't like hot beverages, and I don't really like tea. I know that's that's a challenge for you. Here's what I'm looking forward to. Okay, the fifth of December because that is my personal goal to have all of my Christmas consumerism shopping stuff done. That's now, tomorrow. mind you, I've done zero so far. But I don't want to be going to the post office. 
you know, four days before Christmas and asking, please, oh, please, can you please send this package down to California by Christmas Eve? Because I waited way too long and now I'm spending my entire holiday season scrambling and standing in lines and being out in the world with all the other dopes who didn't get their ducks in a row and they're out in the world scrambling. I hate that. Yeah. I want like like two solid weeks of just enjoying the season. Okay. That sounds and not nice. having to worry about what do I get for this person? What do I get for that person? Okay. What am I going to... Yeah, I just want to cook food and hang out and... Drink know, lots of non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> oh, you know what you have not done yet? And it is in December now. What are you, What am I going to say? You're going to say the Alton Brown eggnog. You have not done your fermented eggnog yet. Get I'll, on that. I'll work on it. Because I will... Take a lactate and go off the wagon for a glass of of eggnog. With no, the you. problem is you're gonna take a glass and then I'm gonna sit there with all these jars and be like, okay. nobody's asking you to make enough for an army. That's true. I think the the recipe we made last year it was a lot, so I'm gonna have to half it or something. Or we can just give it to the kids and have them take nice little naps. <sighs> That's what my grandparents used to do to me. <laughs> Those Shirley Temples. So I'll have to come back to everybody to see how successful I was to do essentially all of my shopping in one day. Okay. Tomorrow. Because I'll be very upset if we get to Krampus Knocked. Oh, I'm looking forward to Krampus Knocked. Uh, we do love our... That's tomorrow night then. Or yes. the night that people exactly, will be listening yeah, to this. It's, it's Tuesday, December 6th. 5th. Oh, Wednesday, December 6th is uh, St. Nicholas Day. Does everybody know about Krampus? You should tell people because this this podcast will ostensibly, maybe, possibly, air on the day of Krampus Nacht. So in much of the world, we're talking a lot through Europe. Not ta- much of the world. It's in not a much. Good, of- a good portion of the Anglo world. Uh, Come no, on. Yes. Yes. I would keep rain, rain in that back. In a chunk of the world where they love Christmas, a, a sizable and it's quaint portion. places to celebrate Christmas. So we're talking about we're talking about Germany, we're talking about Austria, we're talking about what Switzerland, uh, um, Finland, some of the yeah, some of the Nordic countries. Yep, Scandinavia. They have a version of Krampus. These countries have a bad Santa, good Santa, bad Santa. Krampus is his name in some countries. Mm-hmm. And there are different versions of Krampus. Sometimes he just looks like a like a like a homeless version of Saint Nick. He looks like he has the robe, but it's brown and dirty. His beard is brown and scraggly. He's carrying twigs and and a maybe chains, sack. a burlap sack. Yeah. Sometimes he looks like a downright devil with horns, a long tongue, demonic eyes, the claws. Long tongue thing is so weird. It's very strange. And the idea is. If you're a bad kid, Krampus is going to come take you. He's going to put you in his burlap sack. He's going to whack you with sticks and maybe eat you. I don't know. Maybe maybe never to return to your parents. If you're a good kid, then St. Nick comes and gives you some presents and candy. Yeah. Yep. And in some countries, before Christmas time, your home will be visited by two people dressed up as Krampus and St. Nick. And they knock on your door. They put like a little quake in your little boots. They talk to your parents. They confer yep. with your parents. Your your parents tell them if you've been good that year or not, yep. and they determine which of these jokers gets to. Have so the you best on the list. primer for this, if people are like, "Oh, this is fascinating," first of all, Rick Steves' Christmas special is just generally the best thing for anybody to watch during the Christmas season. But he talks about how they celebrate Christmas in Switzerland. And they have a whole little bit where his son, who was a teenager at the time, goes and pretends to be Santa and their friend, who's Swiss, pretends to be Krampus. And they go around this little village and it's super cute. But if you're like, "Mm, I think I need a little bit more Krampus in my life, then I recommend the movie Rare Exports, which is from Finland, right? It's, It's Scandinavian to some degree, yeah. Yeah. And it's about a little boy who and his dad. His dad is a reindeer shepherd. That's right. 
and they that somehow Krampus is awakened with local mining operations. Oh, that's right. So Krampus has been frozen underground, yep. keeping them safe for years and years. And then these these dopes come with dynamite because they want to mine the ground for something. Yeah. And they shake Krampus loose. Yeah. And next thing you know, there's like an army of of bad Santas, bad Santa prowl- angry prowling Krampuses. the countryside. Uh, it's super cute. It's a little bit scary in some parts. Parts. So with our little with our little girls, we've had to have a couple of times where we're like, close your eyes. But for um, an, but it's, for an, the most part, it's it's great. From an adult point of view, though, it it is a comedy. It's not a mm-hmm. scary movie. It's a it's a it's a comedy, really. Yeah. Um, with a whatever finish bent or whatever it comes. Yeah, from. dark comedy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Rare exports. That's that's a good one. What? So oh, should we watch that tomorrow night? Yes. Should that be our, our Krampus knock thing? That is always our Krampus knock thing. Well, last year it was to go see the Krampus parade with all these these Germans with these elaborate, elaborate costumes where they all look like demons with the horns and whatnot parading through central Munich. Um, and surprisingly, with, with our little one on my shoulders, like she wasn't afraid of it. I She's was kind so of afraid used of it. To it. I know, it was freaky. Because they had really scary costumes on with the bells. Remember that one guy was like chasing people in marine plots? And and they were all clearly like handmade masks and, and, mm-hmm. and accessories. Like these people should be working in like Hollywood lots, not just toiling in I their loved it. tiny it was so little fun. Munich apartments. It was too crowded though. That was my problem with it. So you can't top that. You're not looking forward to anything more than Krampus knocked, are you? Well, I am... Looking forward to the ladies from Edmonds in Bloom coming oh, on Lord. Wednesday. Wait, they're coming on Wednesday? Yeah. The night after Krampus knocked? The day, yes. So. Are they all ladies? There aren't any well, men there's in Bloom? Two, I think there are some gentlemen. Uh, but these two ladies, they're planning the tour stops for the 2025 we're planning a year and a half out. Yeah, you got to have time because if you need to put stuff in the ground, you have to let it have like at least a year wait, to wait, wait, grow. Wait, wait, we're getting ahead of ourselves. You're talking about the event where they celebrate people's flowers in their front yards, basically. Yes. The theme for the tour in 2025 is historic homes with gardens. Was there ever a theme before? I don't remember. It's just like, check out this house that has pretty flowers. If they did, I don't know it, but 2025 is our year, baby. Wait, does this mean you want many old ladies to walk by our house in springtime? I want to be... Will they walk onto our property? I want to be recognized for my gardening abilities. I don't want people on my lawn. Well, tough shit. There's going to be sacrifices that are going to be made. We have to talk about some of these beds out here that you have traditionally used for your potato planting. We are going to have to find alternatives for that. Edible alternatives. We can do that. That's fine. But they can't be the potatoes. For people who don't know, potatoes are not at all attractive when growing in the above ground. Well, the potatoes, potatoes are, don't grow above the ground. The potatoes are growing below ground. They're nightshade stalks or stems above ground. Leaves, leaves. leaves are ugly. And the well, only, they're poisonous. They shouldn't be pretty. Well, and then the only way that you know that the potatoes are ready for harvesting is when the leaves are all like brown and dead. Yeah, that's when you know to dig them up. Nope, that's not happening in 2025. Nope, that's not going to happen. So those ladies are coming by. So what you're telling me is in 2026, you want no potatoes. Find somewhere else to plant them. (laughs) Anyways, so they're coming on Wednesday. Fingers crossed. They, fingers crossed, they deem our garden attractive for the tour planning. I do not want to be here on Wednesday when the garden ladies are evaluating our front yard. I'm going to be devastated if they don't choose this as a spot. Like, it, I will be really sad. Oof. I know. There's a lot of pressure on that Wednesday afternoon meeting. I feel like it's a bad idea. I feel like you are inviting rejection when that's exactly what you don't want. 
I know. You could just love your garden and don't give a shit what other people think about it. And also not invite a bunch of people in town to come walk by our house on a dedicated week into the springtime. Well, it's usually in July. Um, I know. You're right. I'm just so gosh darn proud of my garden. Then you don't need other people's validations. You don't need the little flag planted. Yes, I do. No. I'm a highly competitive person. I need some kind of validation. And if I'm not going to get it from Edmonds and Bloom this spring, I'm making my own little flag and I am going to put it out in the garden. <laughs> I'm going to do something. I I need some kind of third party validation. Anyways, so I'm looking forward to the meeting. I appreciate you tempering expectations because I do think that's smart, but I am looking forward to it. And riveted listeners, we'll, we'll report back to you on that. I don't like that you're demeaning this. Look, by the way, just just to be clear, just to be clear, you are married to the chairperson of the city cemetery board. I want to be on the garden tour. You have married into this person who loves cemeteries and gardens. and Life yet, and death. Yes. And yes, I might be a viewer like you who subscribes to PBS. I may enjoy knitting next to my cat. I might be... You did just recommend a PBS Christmas show. I did. And a foreign art film. I did. (laughs) I did. This is who I am. You love it and don't make fun of it. And I'm drinking my tea. (laughs) This is why we need red wine. This is why we need the actual red wine. This is why... That's part of the magic. I know. It's the first part of the whole formula. I know. The whole show is called Our Daily Red. All right. Are you doing okay? Uh, I want a real glass of wine. I'm so proud of you, though. You're doing great. Try December in this. Uh, it it goes like that, right? To believe this Let's do it. Love you. Count Grossed. Love you. Bye.